Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, SheCast episode 66. And I'm on with Christina Aldon. She is actually a friend of a friend. So she's friends with Nyla Christian, um, a dear friend of mine who is in Las Vegas, and we met when I lived in Las Vegas. And then Christina was actually here in Michigan, and we never connected, and then now she's back in Las Vegas. So... <laughs> At some point, we will meet in real life, but welcome to the podcast, Christina. Thank you, Chidima. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> so I, um, I, I would love for you to introduce yourself um, briefly in your own words to listeners. Yeah, you know, I am an uh, international speaker, trainer. I own a boutique digital advertising agency called LG Designs. I'm, I'm the lucky girly girl everywhere on the internet. Uh, so, you know, it, it's interesting because I, my degree, I got my bachelor's degree in uh, ecology and environmental sciences, and I didn't become an entrepreneur until later, and I, I never thought I would be one, but here I am, entrepreneur, and um, I love it, actually. I love it. It's, it's super fantastic. I, sometimes I wake up and I look around and I go, is this my life? Oh, yeah, this is my life. I've, this is what I've created. I never would have guessed it, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So I put out a call um, last week, actually, and it's happened pretty quickly, um, requesting that people who consider themselves survivors or people who know of survivors mm -hmm. to reach out to me to be a guest on the cheat cast and you responded. Yeah. So why, you know, I'm so glad that you did. And mm. can you tell us why, why you did? Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a public speaker and just in the last year I've been telling my own personal story a little bit more, getting a little bit more vulnerable. <laughs> I sure. I'm in the digital advertising marketing business. So I, I do understand the power of telling a good story. I, I, I get that, but you know, it's always harder when it's your own story. And <laughs> I've been, I've been very protective of it for a long time. So, um, you know, I just thought that this was a really good opportunity to use your platform to, uh, kind of share my experiences with people who might, you know, have had a little bit similar experience or, you know, they're, they're hoping to overcome something. And um, the more I think about it lately, I actually, I, I should be proud of, of what I've overcome and, and what I've survived. So uh, when I saw your call, it was, the timing was just perfect because I thought, you know what, like, there are no, there are no accidents, right? So this is a, this is a really good opportunity to share a little bit more of my story. And, um, you know, it's interesting for me because now, like I said, I am an entrepreneur. I own my own business. I, I travel to to faraway places that are very exotic. I stay in fancy hotels. I, I drive a, a Lexus. And um, it's fascinating because people who've known me for 13, 14, 15, 20 years, even longer, um, I, they don't know that I came from poverty. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and um, it was hard, not just because it, it's, it's an isolated environment. It's kind of like its own island up there, right? 
Sure. Um, and it, it's a simpler life, but also because I grew up in an almost entirely white community, I guess people would say there were a lot of white trash or, you know, they would say rednecks in my, my family, yet I'm Chinese. My father is Chinese. So for me, growing up in an almost entirely white community was, was pretty tough. Um, there, there wasn't any solace and um, times at home were tough as well. So I, I only realized later in life that not everybody goes through that. Not everybody has to endure, um, you know, those, those elements of, well, for me, you know, uh, I, I think that there are a few things. When, when, when you're in poverty, there are a lot of things I think even today myself that I, I take for granted that I forget every now and then. And I think that when you're, when you're in poverty, certain resources, certain mindsets, you know, they're, they're just not available to you. And, and my parents did the best they could. Uh, we had four kids in our family. So six people total. Um, and when my, my mom found a, a new partner and, and she did get married, um, to a man who was white, he wasn't my second dad was, was not Chinese. Um, it was, it was awkward because people always thought I was the nanny, <laughs> you know, it was like there was me and then my three little brothers and sisters all kind of trailing behind, boom, boom, boom. And they, they are like 11 months apart. 13 months apart they're all very close and then there was me four or five years older and Chinese um, you know my parents were just they they both worked two full-time jobs for years to get off of welfare and um, resources weren't available so you know they did the best they could with the resources they had but at the same time that meant um, I had to grow up really fast. So sure. I, I watched my brothers and sisters, you know, I started raising them at the age of 12 when I could, you know, I was already cooking early, early. And, um, you know, I, I recall even in school, even in kindergarten, I remember it at the tiny little eight, right? You're five, you're six. I remember being bullied on on the playground and and being and not even quite understanding it because <laughs> in our house um even though i had a i had a different father and i was clearly chinese like it it never occurred to me that's one thing i have to say that my parents really focused on instilling that we were all brothers and sisters. It wasn't a stepdad, a stepbrother, a stepsister, a half. We didn't have any of that. There was none of that in our house. We're family and everybody's family. And that's how it, how it was. But, you know, even that first day of kindergarten, <laughs> I remember being teased and not really having the behavioral guidance to respond properly or to, you know, know what to do. I was taught in our house to not fight back, to, to be kind. And so I would just stand there and be bullied. Right. And so people would just bully me. Um, but then later, like when I would be on the bus, I was always the first one to be picked up, the last one to drop, be dropped off. I was on the bus for an hour. We're talking rural, rural, rural Michigan. Um, 
you know, I get bullied the whole time on the bus. Um, and then I'd come home and, you know, my parents would be having their struggles and, and, and their arguments and their fights. And it would be up to me to figure out dinner or there was, there was just a lot, I think that could have probably been abated that people don't, don't think about. We take advantage of sometimes when you have certain, certain luxuries, I guess, like for us, I did a talk about this just in, um, in March at a conference called what's your story here in Las Vegas. And I opened it with a picture of our one room shack that I grew up in and our farm. And I remember, I, I don't know if anybody is familiar with the upper peninsula of Michigan, but you'll get wind chill, you know, below 30 degrees up there, 40 degrees below zero even. And we were in an uninsulated one room shack with no running water. Um, in my, in my early, early years. And um, I just remember just being cold. I remember being hungry. I remember uh, snakes and mice and rats everywhere. I remember being kicked out from there. I remember we moved into a trailer. And that was, that was an upgrade for us, you know, like people make jokes and they talk about trailer trash and they, but for us, that, that trailer was like, wow, this is, now we re we're really coming up, you know. Um, like maybe one day we won't have to eat chicken pot pies every day, you know. It was, it was like that kind of a thing. Like I remember we got plumbing and we had a, we had a toilet that flushed and it was, it was a very big kind of event. And when we moved off, to that, off of that property, when we moved off of that farm, we moved into a lot of other homes that, again, you know, I remember it, it, in the winters being buried under blankets because we didn't have the money for the heat or, you know, um, just, just certain things. And then, you know, when my brothers and sisters came along, there was just a lot more for me to have to be aware of because then... It seemed like I was getting in trouble at school because I was getting picked on. And then I'd get in trouble at home for not minding my brothers and sisters. And it, it was, I, I realized later that everybody doesn't go through that. I realized later that um, when you're 12, you know, people don't raise their brothers and sisters or cook. I realized when we went to my home ec class when I was 13 and we were cooking things. I was confused why the other students didn't know what to do. Like I was telling them how to do things and where to, and then I re, one, one day the teacher looked at me and she said, you can always tell the students who help at home. And I remember looking at her being like, what do you mean help at home? Like this is what you have to do if you wanna eat, <laughs> you know? I remember because my parents were doing the best they can, both working so many hours and uh, I, I don't even know how they how they managed with four kids and and eventually they did. They worked up, they worked off of welfare, which was which was great. Um, they both ended up having one job eventually <laughs> later, which was terrific. My, they were uh, managing Hardee's. I don't know. Do you have them? Yeah, Hardee's, Carl's Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, and Subway. My mom became a manager at Subway, I remember. And so once those things kind of happened, it, it, it helped. The, 
the steady employment, the regular job they're having, the dentist um, and the doctor to be able to have insurance, you know, that was th a thing. But I, I remember um, even being really young when, when we were on welfare and waiting in line for cheese, right? Like government cheese and bread, those, those were big things. I remember it was, I would get hand-me-down clothes from, from my cousins or, or, you know, it'd be school shopping and, and we'd go to Goodwill and, you know, things changed later as we got older, probably, you know, as I, I became more of a teen and then I could work too. So, you know, when I was four, let's see, maybe even younger, I had a paper route. I guess I was like about 13, 14. And then later, I, you know, I, I bought my own prom dress. I bought my own car. I bought my own homecoming dress. If ever I needed money for pictures, if, if my brothers and sisters needed money for pictures, you know, I was always contributing um, to the family. And it, it was different. It's interesting how these things work to do because even when I grew up, I moved out uh, and went to college. College for me was a way out. It was, and I would, I am one of the few of all my cousins or, um, you know, even my extended family to go to college and get a, a bachelor's degree. But I remember it was, it was a way out. And when I went to college, I would come back home occasionally and visit with my brothers and sisters. And they were in 11th grade, 12th grade, 10th grade. They were all, you know, teenagers, right? Teenagers. Sure. And I remember coming home from college and be like, what is this? Like, there's food in the house. You guys have snacks. You, you're giving him money for basketball shoes. Like what's that? So, you know, there was, I remember even in my twenties being kind of envious and being like, wait a minute, you guys got it made. Right. And, you know, probably according to them, they probably did. I mean, everything's relative, but, um, I, I just remember like being a teenager once, I guess probably around that age of like 14, 15, I, I made a decision, but I wasn't going to talk about it. I wasn't going to talk about all the bullying and all the teasing. I mean, even up until through high school, you know, it was, it was just a, a, a challenge for your self-esteem. I didn't, I always thought I was really ugly. I always thought, you know, I'd never amount to anything. I could never be anything. I would, I would go see later once I started my healing journey and I started working on my emotional health, my mental health, my physical, look, it's all mind, body, spirit, right? <laughs> so once I started kind of peeling back those onion layers, I remember, um, like I, I wasn't, I didn't really want to talk about it. Even then, as I was going through things and healing things, I didn't want to talk about my poverty, and I didn't want to talk about um, the nicknames and the cruel words and, you know, sitting outside on the playground alone um, for years. And, and if I did play, I would engage in, like, quote-unquote, like the nerds, right? It would be like the kids maybe who were um, the, the misfits, three or four of us and we'd just kind of be awkward off to the side kind of thing. Um, but not even having like the social interaction, I, I had to learn the hard way in so many ways. And I guess I'm a quick learner. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome because it, I learned, I learned to etiquette at the dinner table. I learned, um, 
culture. I learned art. I learned different foods besides like hot brown and plenty of, of it, which is what we eat. <laughs> we joke a lot uh, in Michigan. Uh, we eat a lot of hot brown, plenty of it. Um, so different foods and just having different experiences um, really kind of opened up my, my mind and my heart. Um, and I really feel like going through all of that helped me become a better business owner, a better businesswoman, a more self-actualized woman who now, when I'm working with people, when I'm coaching them, when I'm training them, when we talk about emotional intelligence or, or, or self-confidence things, like, I guess that's why I'm so effective about it is because I've had to work so hard to overcome it. Right. Sure. So if we teach what we need to learn, then, um, that's, that's, I guess what it helps me because, uh, I, I know what it's like to, uh, work, 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 work hard and get few results. I, I, in fact, spent most of my life expecting that's just how the world is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm used to running on little to no sleep. I'm used to, uh, you know, a little bit of food. Just since I was the oldest and since I was taking care of my brothers and sisters, I always took the burnt piece of toast or I always took the smaller thing, you know, to care for my brothers and sisters. So uh, I'm used to secondhand clothes, a, a simpler quality of, of life that um, I don't need a whole lot of things uh, materialistic things. So I think that those experiences actually help me be a better entrepreneur because as you know, um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, business owners are constantly work, 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 work. They're always on the go. They're doing a million, bazillion things. And um, I think that really, that helps me. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. That was a lot. And it sometimes isn't easy to go backwards to go forwards. Um, and it kind of depends on when you're sharing your story, right? I believe that yes. sometimes it, it's almost like the floodgates and you're just so happy to get it out there. And sometimes <laughs> it can be very challenging. It just depends on where we are in the moment that we're sharing mm. our story. So a couple of questions for you. What would you say to someone a young person that is in currently in the shoes that you were in um, mm. because it sounds like going to university or going to college was really helpful mm. to you. Um, so what would you say to someone that's there where you were, how many years ago they're there now? Um, and the second question, a follow-up question is related to where you are today Mm. And what people who are around you that care for you, mm. how they can be helpful in supporting you, um, even though you're not back there anymore, but still yeah. there are things that seem to come up when we've experienced um, any manner of our story. Um, a word that I often use in this arena is, is trauma. And it's not so much to put a definition on it, but just an experience that maybe stalled or changed or altered the path that someone was going on, I think is a fair way to put it. Um, And it doesn't align with judgment or blame or anything like that. Um, It's just more of a, so for example, someone can be involved in a car accident, but someone could be involved in something else, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's overcoming an illness or something like that. 
that can mm. be kind of put in the same pot. So I know that I've thrown a couple of questions your way and free, feel free to address them in an order that makes the most sense for you. But I'm thinking yeah. people might be interested in knowing that stuff. You know, the thing for me is that I always had in my heart this feeling of exploration and adventure. And while part of it maybe was uh, this dreaming of greater things, dreaming of better things. I remember, sure. you know, even as a, as a young, young child, still in elementary school, going to sleep and dreaming like, ah, one day I'm going to be able to just drive up to McDonald's drive through and just order whatever food I want. Is But like, I remember those were the kind of dreams back then because I was hungry and because I wanted the fancy McDonald's food, but we couldn't afford it. You know, I remember um, dreaming like, Ooh, we, I'm going to go to a football game when I'm in high school, you know, cause we didn't have the 50 cents to go to the local football games. Even um, those kind of dreams were really important to keeping me going because now that I, that I do them, what, you know, being a teenager and thinking one day I am going to go to college and I'm going to be smart and independent and I'm going to own my own car and I'm going to be able to drive it wherever. Uh, those kinds of things really kept me going. That's, and I, and I knew it in my heart. I could feel. So my advice would be, you know, if, if there's something in your heart that you just know that you feel that you have this unforeseen drive, like I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew I was going to travel different countries. I didn't know if it was like, oh, I'm going to be a professional vacationer <laughs> or whatever. But now, you know, I'm an international speaker and it's, it's fantastic. And um, even in college, they had uh, programs, even in high school, they have foreign exchange programs where you can explore other cultures and you can travel. And I looked into all of those different kinds of things, uh, volunteering, just things that were about adventure and exploration and travel, because in my heart, I knew that that's what I wanted. And then every time I would accomplish something in that vein, I would be like, yes, go look at me winning progress evolution. Look how far I've come and, and look how much I've grown. Um, growth and contribution and connection are, are really important values to me that have always been, been strong in my heart. And the, the next thing about, you know, how people can help me. Now I've got, I've got the coolest life partner ever. He is strong and caring and very empathetic. Um, and I have a lot of health issues. Uh, part of it is because of, you know, I, I grew up in an environment that I was in constant fight or flight as a child. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of solace except maybe at my grandparents' house uh, a, a couple weekends here and there. Um, so I have a lot of anxiety. I also, in my life, I'm 41 now, uh, since I was 19, I've had chronic pain in my whole body. I've had a couple different surgeries and, you know, that is hard on my nervous system. So I, I've, I, I see a lot of different, I see an acupuncturist, I see a coach, I see, um, you know, a trainer to help me with the physical things, um, mind, body, spirit, remember? Uh, so having those professionals around me helps, but 
having a, a, an inner circle around me, a life partner, um, Jay, he is, he's very communicative. He's very open. He doesn't take things personally if I'm having an anxiety attack or if I'm having some kind of a, a, a fear-based day, um, fear-driven day, which sometimes happens. Um, my nervous system just can't take certain weather or um, certain conditions. And just having somebody around that's strong, not in a way that is, he's never sympathetic or he's, he doesn't give me platitudes, but he's just in it with me. I know you're having a hard day today. I'm in it. You're safe. And that, to me, has been the most healing, better than any counselor, any therapist, psychologist, any um, pills that I've taken, any, any kind of things that I've, I've had over the years to deal with. Um, I, I guess you could kind of say trauma. Um, you know, uh, some people would say PTSD. I get, uh, you know, around loud noises. Loud noises will affect me sometimes or um, just certain things will set me off. And it's just really, really great to have people who go, I don't know what you're going through, but I hate that you're suffering right now. I'm just going to sit here with you. Yeah. In it, you know, there's sure. instead of platitudes or instead of like, oh, that must be so hard, or I know what you mean. You know, there's this, you, you, we have those friends. I've, I've been that friend even before, where it's like, oh, yeah, you think you're having a bad day, you know, oh, goodness, <laughs> right? Totally, like that. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, I, I grew up in poverty, I and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, thank you, mm, never mind. <laughs> um, and having, having people around me who are just like, ugh darn it. I hate it when that happens. And they're kind of in it with me. Um, that's the best way. And, and what happens, it's, it's fascinating because I, I speak about emotional intelligence because I've done so much work in, on my, my own soul work on this journey. I have really kind of explored the, the, the empathetic nature of, of even kids, you know, and, and how, just being caring and tender can can heal things so much quicker than analyzing or or pills or barking orders at somebody. You need to do this or you need to journal or get in touch with your inner child or you know whatever that stuff is. People, you just you know what, Christina, your chronic pain, you, you're you're. You just need to do more yoga. <laughs> like, oh yeah, of course. That's that's it. <laughs> Thank you. All these years of, of therapy. And I, therapy. Never <laughs> I never knew. I never knew. You know, so that those that would be the thing that I would say is having people who are empathetic. And if people don't support that, and they're actually making your anxiety worse, which you know I've done that before too. Or if I've been abusing my own body and not being kind to myself, you know. If it, one of my dearest, dearest teachers uh, always reminds me, tell yourself the truth in the kindest way possible. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's, those are good words to live by. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. I've, I've learned that there's some, one of the things that I say when I'm not sure exactly what to say is just mm. that I don't know mm. what to say besides I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this. Yeah. Um, And yet, know that I'm here if you mm -hmm. want to talk about it or if you don't mm -hmm. want to talk about it, <laughs> you know, yeah. because 
there is something to be said with, and you know, technology has made things a lot better in so far as you and I can FaceTime, we can Zoom. We, so mm-hmm. it feels like we're in the same place, even though we're not. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely there's nothing better, I think, with the people that actually care about me and love me is to be in the same space as me, physical space. And yet mm-hmm. there are other great substitutes, you know. But sure. sometimes I don't need someone to tell me how I should feel or what I need to do or anything mm-hmm. like that or even what they've done, you know. I mean, and sometimes it is helpful to hear what someone else has done. Yeah. Sure. It's like, I think overwhelmingly humans, we want to be so helpful that we forget that what we're doing may not be helpful or we kind of just charge forward like, oh no, it's it's going to charging forward. Yeah. It's the charging forward when my, when my nervous system is already blasted out to the max, right. And I'm kind of in panic mode. I'm in fight or flight mode. And then um, I'm like, whew, I, ah, <laughs> sometimes even language, just pause, I need to breathe. And then, you know, the person who comes in behind, he goes, oh, what do you need? I'm going to do this and let's do this and fix it. You're, you're going to be fine. Everything like, I'm not going to be fine. I feel like I'm dying right now. <laughs> like I'm in the middle of a panic attack and whatever, you know, whatever situation's happening, just, just pause and just be in the moment with me and just pause without fixing it, without, uh, wanting to define it or make it okay because it's not okay. And and the stuff that I had to endure as a child through, um, you know, my home environment, my school environment, mm-hmm. um, the relationships that I created later in my in my early adults and and young young adult life. Those were those were things that need to be processed. And actually, I spent so much time kind of like pretending and sweeping it away and everything's fine. No, no worries. Like you can only do that for so long and your body will tell you like mine did, you know, this, this isn't right. Um, through chronic pain, through digestive issues, uh, through anxiety, through depression. I, I've kind of been through it all that I, I manage it now. Luckily I have a great team and uh, I have great friends. So that's, that's cool. Um, but not everybody has, has that. Not everybody has those resources available um, or the knowledge that it's even possible, you know? That's so true. So is there anything else um, that you feel listeners should hear directly from you? You know, I, I would just like to encourage people to get in touch with the internal dialogue that's happening in their heart. Yeah. I think that uh, in my experience in my life, there early in life, I depended on my heart <laughs> to keep me going forward. Uh, what I could dream and envision was possible in traveling the world and, and being an independent woman. And later in life, as a teenager, as a young adult in my 20s, I, wanted, I was embarrassed and I, I wanted to push that away and I stopped listening to my heart and I, I, I was listening more to what I thought other people wanted or what I should do or how. And um, now that I'm, I'm, I'm 41, I'm, I'm back to that again. And I'm like, oh, hi, heart. What's going on? In fact, there's a little bit of screaming and raging in there. 
okay, we'll, we'll deal with that too. It's okay. I'm back. Let's just take it a little bit at a time. And that's kind of what I've been doing is, is listening to that internal dialogue, that listening to my heart that I've been ignoring for, for a while, uh, and kind of getting back to, with, without judgment, I have to say, you know, without judgment, because you can listen to that internal voice and then use it as fuel to uh, feed an insecure ego. I've, I've done that. <laughs> or, or use it to, you know, admonish things that have happened way in the past or bad choices I made in my 20s. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just sitting with yourself, whatever that is, in a chair, uh, uh, meditating, prayer, walking, whatever that is, yoga, whatever that is, and just kind of get acquainted, acquainted with what's going on in your heart. And it's all good information that you can work with because if the, there's some messages in there that you like, that'll happen. There's some messages in there that you don't like, that'll happen too. And it's all good information for you to, to deal with and, and to move forward. And um, that's some of the best advice that I've, I've gotten recently is about just checking in with yourself. Cool. Um, I love that. It's very true. Being aware and present. Um, it's always a good idea to just you know, where am I right now? Why am I feeling this way? And even if you don't know the answer, <laughs> yeah, that's okay too. You know, it's totally cool. Oh, um, that's okay too. You know, I think that's one of the beauties of I have an inner circle mm. and I feel really vulnerable and comfortable sharing the tears, the pain, the anger, the frustration with this circle. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we speak truth and love to one another, you know, and that's not always fun to hear, but it's usually very good for me to hear. Yes. Um, other times it is a little bit softer, right? Like it's definitely empathetic, but just a little bit softer, like, mm -hmm. oh, gee, that's so hard. Yes, I, you know, Christina, that, it sucks, you know, that yeah. really sucks. Um, and, and there's an ebb and flow, you know, yeah. but I think one of the things that you touched on is that there's a mutual love and respect. Yes. You know, um, it sounds like Jay has a mutual love and respect for you. And so he meets you where you are. Um, That's right. And I believe that I don't think he would be with you if you didn't meet him where he was too. Like it doesn't go in yeah. one direction, right? You're, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a saying in our house, it's called into the fire. We just... <laughs> No matter what, we're going to show up wholeheartedly into the fire, uh, and it's great. And and we've had, we've overcome a lot of challenge. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> we've overcome a lot, a lot in our relationship, and I'm, sure. I'm just grateful to have somebody around that can, um, you know, because we reflect that. When I started treating myself with respect, Shatima, uh, of course. I wasn't going to be able to attract somebody until, you know, I started respecting myself. Um, That's right. You know, it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's been quite a journey. I am going to write a book about my journey in becoming an entrepreneur and a business owner and um, independent. And uh, yeah, I am going to write a book about that. I'm kind of in process of it right now. And awesome. I, I, I really just appreciate you allowing me to be vulnerable and to share my story and to uh, get in touch 
with my own heart a little bit more uh, in a kind of realistic, honest way and, and tell my story of, of where I came from. So thank you. No, you know what? Thank you. So it's my pleasure, but thank you for agreeing to come on and for answering the call and for doing something that is not always easy. Um, mm -hmm. And yet it's very valuable. Um, many people have said, and it sounds like you feel the same way that they've experienced some healing and just being honest and talking about, yes. um, you know, via transparency and authenticity, their story, or at least a piece of their story. And so I just want to honor, acknowledge, honor and acknowledge the work you've done and your willingness to be honest and open here on this podcast and for agreeing to come on. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share uh, Healing, healing, healing. Yay. That's right. <laughs> so let's check out a story from Humans of New York. Love them. Right? Isn't it great? Uh, I started putting it on the podcast because I realized, Christina, that we are all, you know, humans. We're all part of this greater I don't know, mission, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the quicker we get on board with that, <laughs> yes. the better. Um, <laughs> sadly, we're not all on board, but right. <laughs> you, and I, you and I are on board. So that's a start. Um, and it just delves into humanity. So I'll just read one story today. And that is, I quit my job earlier this year. I'm taking a little time to focus on myself. I work from nine to six every day. I often brought my work home with me. I was getting sick and anxious and I wasn't sleeping well, but I could never accept my weaknesses. I'd see other people working harder than me and I'd think if they can do it, why should I feel tired? Eventually, I pushed myself so hard that I became depressed. One reason I couldn't slow down is because my entire family is hardworking. Both my parents are architects. My grandfather is an engineer. The importance of hard work has been passed down through the generations. I think the entire country is afraid to stop working. There have been so many hard times. There's been so much hunger. For so long, we had to work all the time just to survive, even though things are better now. That's a difficult psychology to escape. I'm starting to interview for new jobs, but I'm asking different questions. Money is the last thing I worry about. I'm much more interested in the schedule. And that was someone from St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm. So we are very related all yeah, well, and you know, the globe. That, that, that fear-based mindset, it's interesting. Like I said, um, I live a much different life, big, big differences in, in the lifestyle I live now and into what, you know, I was born with and then even in my teenage years and, and later. But every now and then, I mean, every, daily, there are, there are times where I find myself in a fear-based, oh, what about this? Or, oh, what about that? Or even for our own kids, like I look at what they have and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you have more clothes in your closet now than I ever had, <laughs> even in my entire elementary. And here we are talking about this. I'm like, no, you're six, this, you're five, this isn't happening. You know, and um, I, I find those moments and um, Jay will kind of turn to me and he'll be like, why not? Like, don't you want your, 
it's because our kids are not spoiled. They're not, you know, it's not like they're crying and they're begging and they're bad. But even for what they do have, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you guys have no idea. <laughs> and um, that mindset creeps in every now and then. So, you know, it's, it, it's constant. It's, it's constant growth. It's constant awareness. And uh, it's very easy, even on bad days, to, to fall back and, and regress into certain concepts or ideal thinking that just it doesn't even apply anymore. <laughs> so true. So true. So, Christina, before we hop off and we end the way that I normally end this podcast, how can people get in contact with you? If people want to find me, I'm Lucky Girly Girl on Instagram, Twitter, and, and my website. So it's Lucky Girly, G-I-R-L-I-E, girl.com. LuckyGirlyGirl.com. Awesome. Perfect. And so, friends, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your love and support, always and forever, to the Type A Hippie podcast. Uh, this is SheCast episode 66. So like it, share it, subscribe to it, and I'd love to hear feedback. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there is only one of us. Have a gratitude-filled day. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie. Namaste.